morning. As Americans, we are a little bit obsessed with our rights. There's this sense of, you know, you can't tell me what to do, or it's perfectly within my right to do this, so I'm going to do it. Did I turn this on? I did, good. <laughs> and that's not surprising, given that we, our nation started on the idea of gaining freedom. And so there is a sense in which we like to pursue what we can do, and we don't like to be told what we can't do. And sometimes there are things that are perfectly within our rights to do. Things that are within our rights to say, no, I'm, you, know, you can't make me do that. But when we think about others and we think about our relationship with them, we make choices as Christians out of love and out of a spirit of self-sacrifice that says, no, you can't make me do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. And this spirit of self-sacrifice, this spirit of seeding rights, it can be seen in all kinds of Bible characters. Jesus all the time. God, Paul, James, the brother of Jesus, Abraham, the Good Samaritan. It is in you know, all the best Bible characters, you see this spirit of self-service, of, yes, I could do that. Yes, that is my right, but instead I'm not going to take full advantage of the, that right. And so this morning we're going to be talking about the concept of when rights go wrong, when we could choose to do something, but because we love someone, we're not going to do that, because it would be best for our relationship if we choose to not. And this one concept is really all that we're going to be talking about this morning, that there are times when, as Christians, it is the right thing for us to do to not take full advantage of the rights that we have and instead, out of love, to give up our rights. And that is going to manifest itself in a variety of ways. And so we're going to be talking about applications for this concept because it's kind of abstract like I tell you you know sometimes it's a good thing to give up your rights and you're like okay well like what does that look like and so we'll hop in without too much uh, further ado the first way that we're going to see this play itself out is in the concept of love if you'll turn over to first Corinthians chapter eight there is a situation going on in the Corinthian church where the Corinthians, uh, they're in this city where there's a lot of idol worship and the, uh, the meat that gets sacrificed to the idols is sold in the marketplace. And so this church in Corinth is composed of two types of people, previously Jews and previously Gentiles. And the previously Gentiles, they've got these... Uh, pagan roots where in their history they uh, were involved in idol worship they were involved in uh, this the eating meat sacrifice to idols as a a part of their worship and so it bothers them that they would be eating meat sacrifice to idols uh, even though their Jewish counterparts have no problem with that they're like look you know it's just meat on a, you know, a 
slab of wood or stone or metal. And like, what's the difference between an idol and a grill? Like, there's really not much. So it's just, it's, it's just meat. And so the Jews are like, you just eat it. It's not a big deal. And the Gentiles, it, it, it makes them feel wrong. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 8 and 9, he says, food will not commend us to God. We're no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So in verse 8, Paul says, yeah, you Jewish people are right. It doesn't matter. You eat, you don't eat. God does not care. But what God does care about is that this right that you have, this freedom, does not become a stumbling block to your brother. In Romans 14, 15, uh, he, Paul is talking about a similar concept. And he says, uh, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. And that's where we get love as a description for this idea that there are things which are perfectly within our rights to do. In this situation, it is eating meat. But, and you know, no one can point to you in a Bible passage and be like, you can't do this because here in whatever passage it says, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Like there, that does not exist. But in their situation, they know that if they do that, this thing which is perfectly within their rights to do, it's gonna cause their brother to stumble. It's going to cause their Gentile or previously, well, still Gentile, uh, brothers to see and to be like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's not wrong and, and to violate their conscience. And so Paul concludes chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians uh, by saying, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So Paul says, yeah, I could eat meat if I wanted to, but I realize this is going to cause trouble. This is going to make, uh, lead my brother possibly to temptation, and I, I'm not about that. So I'm going to cede my rights in this situation. We see Paul do this a lot uh, with various rights. He does this with money in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Thessalonians. For varying reasons, Paul says, it's perfectly within my right to take money from you. I'm teaching. I am putting forth you know, work and labor here. And it is in, within my right to say, yes, I will accept payment from you for the work that I am doing. But because he knows that that would potentially cause trouble in the church and make the gospel, uh, it would put an impediment in the gospel that Paul does not want there. And so he chooses to forgo his right to payment in those places because he cares about the gospel. He cares about the way that, uh, that God's work is being done. And this has applications in our life as well in a lot of different ways where there are certain things that you, know, you can't point to a Bible passage and say, you know, this is wrong. But if we were to do them, we would cause people to hurt their conscience. We would cause people to go down roads that would be dangerous for them. I think about the concept of modesty as it's often talked about. There's this sense of like, you can't tell me what to do. Like point to a Bible passage and tell me how long my shorts have to be. And like, in truth, you know, there is not a Bible passage that tells you how long your shorts have to be. But if, if you're thinking like, you know, what, what can I get away with? What is my right? 
uh, then that, that's one train of thought. But if you go down a different train of thought of, you know, what if what I wear causes my brother to stumble? Like, what can I do? How can I dress in a way that I, can, I, I cannot be a stumbling block to people around me? Or, you know, there are circumstances in which, you know, your brother might have certain scruples about that. And, you know, they were raised in a family that they always wore pants at all times or, or whatever. And so you, you might could lead your brother to do something that they, you know, for peer pressure reasons or whatever, they, they wanted to do that, but um, it, it hurt their conscience. And so we've got to be mindful of those things, that as we're, as we're choosing uh, to, to dress, and, you know, this is just one example, that we are, are careful and that we're thoughtful not just about what I can do, but about what is loving. And certainly in, in this circumstance, you know, people could, could buck up and they could say, look, uh, you know, it's, it's not my fault if, if you know, they can't control what they're thinking. It's not my fault you know, that they can't control their eyes. And that is true. You, know, it, you cannot be responsible for the mind and the eyes of another person. But if you can make choices out of love that can say, you know what, I can see this being a problem. I'm just going to forgo my right, and instead I'm going to you know, wear something more modest or something. Before I leave this concept of love, though, I think it's really important to note that there are certain times in which we have rights which we should absolutely not forego. Like, that would be a, a bad thing to do. Uh, the concept of circumcision in the first century is a big problem. And the Judaizing teachers, they're going around and they're saying, you know, you have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. And Paul is like, that's ridiculous. And so Paul uh, intentionally does not circumcise Timothy, uh, kind of to, to stick it to them. And so there's a sense in which if we can act out of love for other people. But if we're acting out of a sense of that we're being coerced by somebody or we see somebody who is putting unnecessary roadblocks in the way of people trying to get to Christ, then we need to be the kind of person that, that helps the cause of Christ. That, that's what this is all about. It's out of, we're acting out of love. We're acting out of what can help these relationships. We're acting out of what helps the cause of Christ. And when we are acting out of love, we will forego our rights sometimes. And that is something we should do. There are other ways we can do this. The second one is the concept of gentleness. And uh, this happens all the time when you are a leader of some sort. So say you are a boss at work. You have the power to you know, say, you do this, you do this, and just like drop the hammer on people. But you also understand that that's not always the best way to operate. That if in one situation you could say, hey, you go do this, or you, you know, I command you this. Like, you're the boss. Like, if that's what you want to do, that's what you do. But if you get down on their level, you say, hey, you've got great ideas about this. And I think, you know, we've got a similar vision for how this company should go or whatever group you're a part of. Like, let's work together. Let's accomplish this. You can take this part and I'll take this part and we're going to work together and we're going to reach the goal. In one situation, you are 
pushing your will on other people. And in another situation, you are saying, let's work together. You know what the right thing to do is. Let's go here together. And in those times when you have a legitimate authority and you choose to not use it because you think that it will be more helpful, it will be more encouraging, that is a choice at gentleness. Uh, Paul does this in the book of Philemon. A little book of Philemon. Uh, so in Philemon verses 8 through 10, almost there. Paul says this, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So Paul says, look, I'm an apostle. I could tell you what to do. But I'm not going to do that. Because Paul has a relationship with Philemon. So the situation is this. Paul knows this guy named Philemon. Paul is in prison, and Philemon has a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus leaves Philemon for whatever reason. Probably Onesimus did something that upset Philemon, and Philemon sent him away. And so Onesimus comes to Paul, and Paul writes back to Philemon and says, do the right thing, which I think includes two things. One, Paul is asking that Onesimus can come back to him because he's useful. Uh, And the other is uh, to forgive Philemon for whatever, or to forgive Onesimus for whatever he's done. But whatever the circumstances exactly are, Paul says, you know, I could command you, but instead, I I know you, Philemon. You're a great guy. And we both really care about the cause of Christ. I'm going to encourage you because you know what the right thing to do in this circumstance is. And so instead of demanding, instead of you know, bringing the hammer, instead of doing what is within my right to do as an apostle, I'm just going to encourage you because you know what the right thing to do is. And this has applications in our life all the time. Think about the family unit, like a, a parent-child relationship. Now, you know, children, they're kind of crazy. They want to run around in the streets. They want to stick things in light sockets. And they have a lot of curiosity that is somewhat dangerous for them. And as a parent, you can say, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. And they're like, oh, well, why not? It's like, I said so. Boom, bring the hammer. And again, like, because I said so is a perfectly legitimate reason. When you are a parent and you are the authority and you say, you know, there, there are certainly times for because I said so. But if that is all a child ever hears, then they're not going to develop this sense of autonomy, this sense of concern for the world around them. They're just going to be compliant. And so if you, in the same sort of situation from earlier, you say, hey, you know, you really want to go over to little Timmy's house uh, this afternoon. If you stick a fork in a light socket, we might have to go to the hospital, and that wouldn't be very good. And then you wouldn't get to go to Timmy's house, and I will be concerned about you. So why don't you and I both mutually choose to do the thing that is going to be beneficial to us? You know what the right thing to do is. And there's a gentleness that comes with that, a, a, a sense of preserving the relationship, of working together rather than 
bring in the hammer. There are other situations also in the family. You think about a husband and wife relationship. Like the Bible says, the man is the, the head of the woman. Like there is a sense in which sometimes in a family relationship, like the man has final veto power, that he is the, the spiritual leader. But if all the time he is constantly, you know, using the full extent of his authority, then it's not going to be a very loving relationship. So as the leader of the home, he has that authority. But to use it all the time would be a poor decision. Same sort of thing, uh, you know, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians Seven, like your bodies are not your own. You've given them over, you know, and don't deprive one another. But if you're constantly using that, oh, Paul says don't deprive each other every time you want it, then like, then you you lose this sense of gentleness, this sense of love. And you understand that although you have an authority, although you have a right, that it is best sometimes to not use the right that you have because it will be better for the relationship. And that is a choice toward gentleness. And it is important to note, as with all of these things, that these are not choices that we're making out of fear. That there could be a sense in which you have power, but you're afraid to use it, or you're worried about you know, what the other person might do. Uh, you're scared to use that power that you have. This, that's not what we're talking about. Because that would be a motivated by what they are doing within us. So I am worried about the effect that they would have on me, that they would not like me, that it would upset. Somehow it would, it would have negative ramifications on me. But if we're thinking about them, I don't want to have negative ramifications on them. I care about them. I want the best for this. That we are thinking more outwardly focused, not because we're being coerced, not because we are afraid of using our power, but because we understand that to use the power would not be best for them, so we choose not to use it. Two more examples here. The first of those is generosity. Uh, We know the story of the Good Samaritan, and as I was reflecting on this story, uh, it's kind of a wild story because, you know, I get home from work and I'm like, you know, I've worked hard, I've, I've worked a long time and like, you know, I have my time and uh, like, I don't, it's, it's my right. I have the right over my time to choose what to do with it. Or, you know, you work hard, you make a paycheck, you have money and it's like, okay, this is my money. Like, I, I don't have to, to give it to anybody. It's my money. I have power over it. But... There are times, as with all of these other things, where we have authority over our time and over our money, but instead of holding on to that with an iron fist, we choose to be generous. And that's what we see in the Good Samaritan, that this guy, he's walking down the road, and rather inconveniently, there's just a guy dying on the side of the road. And there are plenty of ways that he could rationalize it in his brain to keep walking past this guy. Like, you know what? I've been working all day, like, I just want to go home. Or, like, you know, what? Like the, you know, the guy at the office, he's expecting me. I, I got to get there. Or, you know, I'm supposed to be home and make dinner for my wife or whatever. Like, there are plenty of reasons, and I think all of us in that situation could come up with a reason why you shouldn't stop. But he does. 
He gives up his time to take this man, to put him on his donkey, to take him to an inn. He gives up his own money to pay for this guy's medical expenses. And he says, if you need any more, you know, I'll be back in a few days. I'll give you the money that you need. Like, this guy, the Good Samaritan, has the very heart of what we're talking about here. That he knew what was his. He knew what he had the right over, and he chose to give up his money, to give up his time, not because he had to, not because anyone could point to a Bible passage and be like, you're sinning if you don't stop at the, on the, help the guy on the side of the road, but because he understood that he had an obligation as someone who is loving and uh, someone who could help to help in some way. And his heart, his mind compelled him to be the kind of person that gave up his rights out of love for someone else. And that is the very heart, I think, of, in many ways of what it means to be a Christian. That's what we see in Jesus as he you know, came in the form of man. You know, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, even though he was God. That We have all of these examples of choosing, though it is our right, to set our right aside and to give of ourselves. And so that's what we see in the Good Samaritan. And that is an encouraging example. The last thing I want to talk about, the last way that we see this concept of giving up our rights play out is in the concept of forgiveness. And this is one of those things that I think forgiveness is one of God's greatest gifts to man. Yes, his gift of forgiveness to us, that he forgave us of our sins, is incredible. But actually, the idea that we can forgive people is incredibly liberating. Think about this. If you lend money to somebody and they don't pay you back that money, if you don't have the ability to forgive that person, then you're constantly consumed by that. And every time you interact with that person, that's all you can think about is how they owe you money. And, you know, they're a scumbag because they won't pay you back. But if you choose to say, I know that that money is owed to me. I know that it is my right to expect that from you. But instead, I'm going to say, you know what? It's not a big deal. I forgive you. And I'm going to cede my right, cede what is rightfully mine for the betterment of this relationship. And that is something we see all the time uh, in the Bible. We think about Jesus, that as he was dying on the cross, he said, forgive them, they know not what they do. Or Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount he says, you've heard an eye for an eye, which is fair. If someone pokes out your eye, you should be able to poke out their eye. That would be you know, the, the fair response. But Jesus says, no, that's, that's not what we're about here. Or you think about God in all of his relationships with the Israelites, that they were constantly turning from him, constantly the unfaithful party in this relationship. And God had every right at so many circumstances to turn his back on his people. He had every right to just zap them dead in the desert, in the promised land, in exile, when they came back from exile. Just 
they were constantly sinning. And what was due them, God chose to not, not to punish them for, to, fatally at least, for all of the sins that they had. Because God cared about his people. And he said, if you will only turn back to me, if you will only repent, then we can have this relationship again. And this is an incredible gift to us, I think, in that when we are interacting with people, you know, there are going to be people in our lives who have taken so much from us. Years of worrying and fretting, frustration and anger. Like, they've just, this, the, whole, the whole gamut. And it's like, how can you pay someone back for years of their life that you've caused them pain? It's not possible. And if you are expecting that from somebody, it's only going to lead to frustration. Because even though it is due you, even though it is yours by right, how are you going to get it? And so there are times when we choose to say, yes, I know you hurt me. I know this drove a wedge in our relationship. I know that I've felt a lot of pain over this. But you know what? I love you. And all is forgiven. And that weight that we lift from ourselves when we choose to forgive is an incredible gift to both parties involved as we get the benefit of freedom from that. And they, too, feel that freedom. And it all comes because we chose that although something was our right to give it up and to love instead of demanding what is ours. And so as we conclude, this concept that we have rights, we have things that are ours, things that are owed us, things that we could do, liberties, but instead of taking full advantage of our rights, we choose instead, out of love, out of a spirit of self-sacrifice, out of a spirit of, of betterment of this relationship that we have with other people, that instead of demanding what is ours, we will give. And uh, if you take this and really apply it in your heart and let this, this the heart of, of so much of what makes a Christian a Christian really move you and push you, then you you will grow and you will see what an incredible gift it is to give up what is your right. Thank you.